Welcome back to another episode of the Demand Efficiency Podcast with me, your host, Eli Rubel, formerly Elias, but hey, names are hard. This is the show where we unpack and benchmark the methods and tactics used to reduce CAC by the most efficient and fastest growing companies in tech. Frequent listeners will know demand efficiency is a leading indicator and North Star metric for teams focused on reducing CAC. And in each episode, we'll evaluate how the best companies in the industry are driving down their cost to acquire while still achieving remarkable growth. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Demand Efficiency Podcast. Today, we are focused on a hot topic, and that topic is account-based marketing, but specifically, there are First off, there are plenty of episodes out there in the ether about account-based marketing. But what we're focused on today are the dark corners where efficiency goes to die within account-based marketing. There are a lot of ways to do account-based marketing right, and even more so ways to do account-based marketing wrong. And when account-based marketing is done poorly, you waste time, you waste a ton of capital, and you're left scratching your heads as a team wondering why it didn't work. And so we're here to talk about the efficiency piece. There are a couple key pillars in this conversation. And bear in mind, this conversation is with one of my favorite marketers, Latney Conant. She is the CMO at Sixth Sense. And we've had many conversations before, but this one we chose to focus in on this space. It's an area that Latney is especially strong, although I should say when Latney took the demand efficiency benchmarking survey, which as you know, you can take for yourself and see how you stack up to Sixth Sense and other top companies who have taken the survey, they scored, she scored higher than anyone else so far. So really listen to the details in what she says. We'll be discussing a couple key areas within, like I said, this, these dark corners where efficiency goes to die. There are really five key pieces here that we're going to dig into today. The first key piece is around how do you understand the full buying journey when 60 to 70% of signal is anonymous? The second key piece we're going to talk about are around workflows between sales and marketing to promote multi-threading. We'll discuss what multi-threading even is, and then we'll discuss what does it look like to rally teams around multi-threading. What types of standard operating procedures do you need to set up? What types of complants do you need to align so that the incentive is there? Really digging into the difference between single-threaded deals, meaning just throwing a lead over the fence, versus multi-threaded deals where marketing is bringing multiple high-quality conversations to the table, bringing an educated buying committee to the table so that when sales starts digging in, there isn't just a lead. The third piece we focus on is around total addressable market and saying no more often. It's really tempting just to take the the stack of ideal target accounts and focus on all of them all at once. But this can lead to diluted focus, diluted budget, and just results can slip as a result. So getting better at saying yes to very specific segments now rather than yes to all of it up front. The fourth out of five categories we talk about is really building a practice around retrospective analysis on the number of touches and engaged contacts it takes to push from stage to stage. 
And this is going to evolve, as you'll hear Latney and I discuss, this evolves over time, right? If it took five touches last quarter, well, the market has shifted, things have changed, dynamics shift, and so maybe it's taking 10, or in their case, 13 touches to move from stage to stage in this quarter. The last piece we'll touch on is about rallying teams around shared dashboards. And this kind of goes without saying, and I think everyone aspires to accomplish this, but the number of teams that put the cart before the horse, that start launching campaigns and putting programs out in the wild with real meaningful budget behind them before they have really solid objective dashboards where everyone agrees on the definition of terms from marketing through to sales, through to finance, where everyone trusts the data that they're viewing is astounding. I can't tell you how many times we step into engagements to help companies become more efficient. And this is a really lacking piece. So you'll hear us talk about that as well. So those are the five pieces. And with that, let's dig in with Latney Conant, CMO at Sixth Sense. The best way to have an efficient demand center is to have strong win rates, good ASPs, and fast cycle times, right? And the more you optimize for that, more is less, right? So I'd rather have more accounts that have less accounts that we're passing that are the most winnable accounts that are warmed up and multi-threaded than a bunch of like demo requests that maybe they're kicking tires and maybe they're ready to go. We're not sure. So I think that's a big aha for account-based. And then the last thing about account-based is I always tell people, it's as much who you go after as who you don't go after. So it's a lot about saying, no, these aren't good accounts for us. And that's okay. So what's the process look like to still give them a nice experience and a great experience, but make sure we're not spending very much time at all on those accounts or contacts? I think a lot of people spend time with the high-touch 20-account, personalized landing page, And maybe not as much time on what if we want to spend no time on this because it's not even a good fit for us. So I think it's just, you know, those two balances are really important. Every quarter, we take every deal that we won and we use this performance analytics. It's in our platform. And we can see what one, the content one deals consumed, the number of touches it took to move a one deal stage to stage, and drum roll the number of engaged contacts we had to have at each stage. And so we can very clearly say we now, and it's gotten, with the looming R word, it's gotten worse. It used to be six, then it went to 10. The last quarter it was 13, 13 engaged contacts. So then we can go to sales, marketing, business development, and sales. We can sit down and say, oh my gosh, guys, it's gone to 13. How does this change our process? How does this change when we want to involve? How does this change how we think about a CFO being involved now in deals potentially, right? So that's kind of the the data. It's all about the data. And so our approach is extremely data-driven. And we do two things. We always look for red. And the places that you find red are in conversion cycle times and win rates. Of course, you want to track quantity, dollar, and count. But usually the issue is buried somewhere in a conversion. And so you want to be able to find that red and you want to be able to go by segment, by channel, and like drill in and isolate red and then go and fix red. We're maniacal about that. And then on the flip side, we're always analyzing one 
so we know winning patterns. So then we can go and put winning patterns into place. Today's episode is brought to you by No Boring Design. Wow, what a name. No, we know this team well. We've brought them in to help with a number of engagements when design becomes a bottleneck for shipping campaigns quickly. Uh, Also when design is boring, right? A lot of B2B status quo becomes boring and it doesn't have to be. So we bring this team in, they level up the quality design and they remove design as a bottleneck to ship campaigns, content, product marketing assets, you name it. If it needs a design and you're hung up on it, this team can help. Um, Somehow they managed to do this. I think their price point starting out as 2,500 a month uh, obviously goes up from there, but what a great resource. We've seen them firsthand do great work with Dropbox, Yelp, a number of our big clients they've been a part of. So check them out, noboringdesign.com, noboringdesign.com. You know, you mentioned team structure supporting these programs. How have you set up your teams such that you're able to see this level of success and attention to detail start to finish? So I'm a big, (laughs) my dashboard is like, they call it the Latin Bible. So I have a dashboard that allows me to do these things. I've used it for 10 years now. It's changed slightly over time, but not a lot. And everybody's on the same page with that dashboard. And anybody at the company, even the product team could go and see how we're doing against our goals. And so it's, it's highly transparent. I think it's very well set up that we can drill down. It goes red, yellow, green. So I'm a simplifier and I'm kind of a simple-minded lady, I guess. And so for me, like, I just want to know, is it red, yellow, or green? And so it pops up. So (laughs) there it is, you know? So it really helps us isolate where problem areas are so that, because what I found before, before I set this structure up, is we knew something was wrong, but we didn't know what was wrong. And so you end up on call after call just trying to figure out where the issue is versus call after call solving the issue. And so this makes it really easy for anybody on the team, sales, marketing, business development, partners, to go and look and see, okay, here's how we are. The other thing is the pipeline planning process all falls under me. And I don't care if it's marketing sourced, BDR sourced, AE sourced, executive relation. I I could care less. But what I'm doing is I'm saying, okay, let's look at the financial model and plan. Where have we assumed we're going to get our bookings from? By when? What are all those historical trends for ASP cycle times, you know, by segment, by channel, by product, all of that? And I'm essentially building a model that gives me our pipeline create quotas. And so I build every quarter, we analyze and we make assumptions and we rebuild the model. And so we know for that quarter and then that feeds the dashboard. And so then if, if an assumption is off, that's, that's how I know. And that's what flashes. And so we put a lot of rigor into that planning and then it's about executing against that. You know, the best way to never miss a number is to never miss your pipeline number. And the difference between what I'm doing and what Mark, our head of sales, is doing is Mark is is looking at open pipeline that he's sitting on and triangulating that. And he's looking at pipeline coverage for the quarter or pipeline coverage by rep or, or et cetera. I'm looking at, did we create enough pipeline today to meet our goal 
in a month, two months, three months. And I'm sounding the alarm. It's not where it needs to be. So I'd imagine there are a lot of folks listening who hear everything you're describing about this dashboard and it sounds like the promised land to them. I'd imagine a lot of the insights are, are being pulled out of Sixth Sense. How are you able or what process do you follow or systems do you use to ensure that you have a source of truth that's accurate, that you can trust, that everyone can rely on? I think that many times is the initial battle is just getting to that point. So how have you done that either at Sixth Sense or even in the past across different platforms? Yeah, so it's a combination of Sixth Sense data, CRM data, a little Marketo data, but not that much. It's mostly CRM data and Sixth Sense data. And I find that the most important thing is to align on the definitions of things and how they're calculated. So let's take win rates, for example. Is this being calculated based on count, based on dollar amount? Is it a point in time? Does it have a look-back period? There's 15 trillion ways to Sunday to calculate something simple as win rates. And so the faster we all kind of lock arms and say, this is the way we're going to calculate it, that then it's not like I think the win rates are this and then someone else thinks they're like that and then we're not. Because it's all about the trend and there's no perfect way to measure stuff. (laughs) So to me, it's like, I'll measure it like kind of however you want. And it's important to get the CFO involved too. Because the worst if is he sends some deck to the board with his calculations and they're like different than like crap like that drives me bananas. And so I'm just all about like, let's align on what we're tracking so we all understand it, how it's being tracked. Less is more. And it's about the trend. You know, we're looking to improve a trend. I'd love to wrap things up by asking you outside of Sixth Sense, what are three other platforms or technologies that you wouldn't be able to live without in this whole, everything that you do? We love lean data, which is kind of like plumbing, but important. I like having plumbing in my house, just like I like having, you know, for routing and things like that. That's really a critical piece of of technology for us. We have Drift on our website. We have Mutiny on our website. Those are both great. Mutiny has really helped us with our conversions, which again, I'm obsessed with conversions. That's where I think the red is. So That's been a really good solution for us and part of our kind of overall digital ecosystem. I'm trying to think. I just actually was reviewing all my IT spend. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds about right for this time of the year. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. We're going to be partnering with a company called Jiffle Now that I've used in the past. And that's really all about getting more out of your in-person events and pre-booking meetings for in-person events. So again, it's a solution we've used multiple times and are excited to get rolling with them. So those are just a few. I I would say what I'm looking most forward to is generative AI. And so we want to lead the charge in in using generative AI for efficiency and, and things like that. So that's a big part of our looking forward for this year. Well, that's a whole nother can of worms we could open and talk about for ages. I'd love to do that in the future. Last question for you, just three other marketing leaders you think, especially within this concept of the demand efficiency framework, would be great to have on the show. Jamie Barnett. She's awesome. I don't know if you've had her on. I'm trying to think. Alex Gobby. She's amazing. She would be great to have on. Those are two good ones. Perfect. I'll take two good ones. (laughs) 
Sounds good, Lani. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. It was fun to dig in with you. Yep. Talk soon. All right. So there you have it. Another great conversation with Latney Conant over at Sixth Sense. Now let's address the selling motion. For all of the product-led leaders in the room, you're probably thinking to yourself, you know, right now we are not a sales-led organization. We're a product-led organization. We don't focus on enterprise. So, you know, most of that isn't necessarily relevant to us. However, I would challenge you to think through the parallels here. And let's talk through some of those. So for a product-led organization who is getting ready to or already has and wants to up-level their sales assist motion, right? Any product-led company, at least in B2B, at some point will get to a point of maturity where they really will start selling into accounts and building an enterprise case for the product. And so the product then becomes this invaluable tool to multi-thread deals. But in order to do that, you have to be able to surface the data in the first place such that you can understand how an organization is using your product and use that to build inroads and ultimately an executive case for widespread enterprise adoption. So I would really think of it as in, whereas 60 to 70% 70 of the buyer journey is anonymous in typical B2B when we were talking about account base in the beginning of this episode, a lot of that isn't anonymous once they are already using your product. And so you have the advantage of looking for patterns and building a case in their usage data and then creating programs to approach them, pass it over to sales and show them this rich buying committee, essentially existing users and build your case from there. So hopefully that helps for the product-led folks in the room where part of this episode maybe didn't resonate right off the bat, but really is still quite relevant if you just translate it into a product-led sales assist motion. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next week. As always, if you'd like to see how today's guest scored on the demand efficiency benchmark, you can head to mattermade.co forward slash demand efficiency. Again, that's mattermade.co forward slash demand efficiency, where you'll be able to see all of the guests who have participated in the demand efficiency benchmark survey, segmented by selling motion, industry, fundraising amount, you name it, you can slice and dice, and you can even take the survey for yourself and see how your demand programs stack up when it comes to demand efficiency. We'll see you next time.